What's happening? Welcome to Wong Notes Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Wong. I hope you're having a great end of your year, holiday season, all that. I've been spending the last week doing a little reflecting on the last year, the touring that I've done, the recording, writing, producing, different records that I've worked on, and I'm feeling great about this past year. I feel great about the past year, the podcast, incredible year, maybe the most exciting, a lot of really great episodes, and it's been a lot of fun to do. And that's what's been most important. So I hope you're digging on those things. Speaking of other projects that I've been working on, I have a band called Wolfpack, and we have a record coming out in a few days, Friday, December 30th, called Schwitz. Check it out. If you're into vinyl and that sort of thing, we got a pre-order campaign thingy going for a couple more days. Check that out. Wolfpack Schwitz. Great new record that I'm really excited about. We recorded it in one week, actually in five days at Theo's house, Theo from Wolfpack. And we recorded it in his house. There's a room that we made look like a sauna. And it was really awesome and really fun. And it was a fun experience for us to just get back together as a band and do some more recording. Got some other things coming up, some announcements coming up soon. So stay tuned for that. You'll hear about it here and elsewhere. So I hope you dig it. Wolfpack, Schwitz, check out the record. It's wherever you listen to music. Hey, speaking of great records, today on the podcast, I have Paul Gilbert. Paul Gilbert has been on insane albums, insane records. I'm talking hit records in the pop sphere. I'm talking shred records that are iconic. I'm talking the sort of things that's just like reference material for guitar players in different genres. Paul's an incredible player and just a wonderful dude, and I have enjoyed getting to know Paul and just being inspired by him. I first got hip to him actually from one of his instructional videos. I watched it over and over again. And to be honest, there's a couple passages where it's like, come on, dude, slow it down. But the tabs always help. The sheet music helped. And he does play them kind of slow at first. And he's like, well, see, it's easy. Just go. Dude, come on, man. But oh my gosh, they are great exercises. Paul is a really great teacher. But in these particular videos, just like, wow, he's really showing you how fast these can be done. But I couldn't do it. I still can't play as Paul as fast as Paul, and that's okay. But these lessons really helped me get together my technical facility, my chops, my speed, all that stuff. So please welcome Paul Gilbert. Hey, you guys know about DistroKid yet? If you are an artist, musician, somebody who's trying to get your music on Spotify, Apple Music, all of those things, DistroKid is a digital distributor that can get your music on all of those platforms. It's the easiest, fastest way to do so, with accounts even just starting at $19.99 a year per artist. So for me, I have several albums out. I just pay one amount for the year. For all the Corey Wong albums, I just pay one amount, and DistroKid takes 0% royalty. 100% of the royalties come straight to me. Or you use their Teams feature where you can dedicate a certain percentage to one member of your band, a certain percentage to the other, or one of your collaborators. I do this sort of thing. It works amazing. DistroKid is who I use for my albums, and it has worked great for me. The stuff gets up there fast. They have a smart ISRC thing. I don't have to worry about coming up with my own codes, registering a lot of the stuff. They just have that. And they also have these really cool design tools. If you are not very design savvy, they'll help you come up with 
assets for social media and other things to help promote your album. And if you want to use them, you can use my VIP code. Just go distrokid.com slash VIP slash Corey Wong and you get 30% off. How about that? Check them out. DistroKid. All right, let's hit this episode. Paul, thanks for joining us today, man. It's good to be here. Thanks for letting me join. Yes. my. If you're not familiar, my name is Corey. I play guitar in the band Wolfpack. Oh, no way. Yeah. I didn't know you played. In, that's like a, a band that's really a good band. <laughs> we try to be. <laughs> we try to be, you know? Wow. That, working that, on that's, it. That, that's fantastic. There's hope. I Yeah, I, I, I like to think so. And, and a lot of that is inspired by you. So I'm stoked to have you with us today. <laughs> well, that's nice of you. What, what, can I, what can I help you with? Well, I am curious about a lot of things, both on the artistry side, on the technical side, on the just kind of life approach side of a lot of the way that you've gone about your career and just playing your, like your relationship with the guitar. I do want to start. I played a guitar that looks just like this. I was in Bozeman, Montana. I went to this guitar shop. Sorry, I don't remember it, but it's like the guitar shop. I played a guitar that looked just like that. And it was an incredible sounding guitar, but I I was going to buy it. But one of my high school friends was with me and I was like embarrassed to buy a guitar with my high school friend there. So I didn't buy it. I don't understand that. I know. I know. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) There's more of them out there. You can find one. (laughs) Tell tell me about your guitar because I have been curious about it. I, I haven't seen any other guitar that looks like it and it sounds incredible and it looks so cool. Well, let's see if it's uncredible. I want to play a C chord. Well, there we go. It, it does, after all, sound incredible. I, I got this <laughs> idea um, when I was a kid. Of course, that was the days of albums. So I, I had the cheap trick live at Budokan. And Rick Nielsen's on the back holding an Ibanez. Or, or it might have even been a Greco Iceman, which is actually the same thing. Just okay. a different shift, different shift at the factory. And, uh, and then, of course, Paul Stanley from KISS played an Ibanez Iceman. And uh, one day I was, I was, I just figured out how to use Photoshop a little bit. It was like the, starting to figure out what a computer yeah. is. And, and I took an Iceman, which, which essentially looks kind of like that. And I flipped it upside down in, in the computer. And, and of course you needed to get the high frets. So I, and with Photoshop, I cut that out. And I, I didn't really have any great expectations for it. I just thought I've created something kind of odd and the, the Ibanez Custom Shop guys brought it into reality. They actually made one. And I immediately, like the, the, like the real, you know, wooden reality version yeah. sounded and played great. And I, I loved it more than I expected. And I've been playing the things ever since. And the, the, the one thing, I, I customized mine with a slide magnet. I see that. I've seen I, some I've videos. Metal magnet. There's, there's a, um, a magnet underneath the pickguard. So I can... <laughs> back and forth that's amazing dude that is so cool well the funny thing was the uh originally uh you you know the 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 guitar gibson uh firebird yeah well well 
they, there's two versions of it. There's like the Gibson Firebird, and then there's like the sort of upside down version, which they call a reverse Firebird. Didn't sell as well. Yeah, and and well, I don't know about that's all I know about it. But anyway, <laughs> of course, I, I'm I was playing what I, what I originally called a reverse Iceman. Yeah, because the same same kind of principle. Sure. And yeah, then yeah. I got a, I got a, I got an email from a fan, and he said um, he said, why don't you call it the Fireman? You know, it's like the opposite oh, yeah, yeah, of yeah, ice. Yeah. And so the Spinal Tap fan of me, of fire and ice, you'd have to yeah. on that in, in Spinal Tap. And I thought, that's just brilliant. And uh, so I, I immediately tossed out reverse Iceman and co- started calling it the Fireman. That became the actual model name. And years went by, and I thought, you know, I, I really should uh, do something nice for that guy. And he, After all, he named the guitar. So I, I, sent, I had an extra one, and I sent it to him. Now it was it was it was one of mine, so I had already modified it with a slide magnet, and the magnet was under the pit guards. You can't. I mean, this was like a prototype where we notched it out, but you actually don't need to do that because the, the magnet's really strong. So if the you know this secret magnet is underneath the pit guard, and I, th- I think I, I put a magnet in there so he should have known. But he's one of these guys that you know he's cooler than me because he uses like a straight mic stand. Yeah, you know, I, I use I use a boom, use the boom, yeah, which, which doesn't look as cool, but it works better. But he's like, you know, he's a cool person, so he's using the straight stand, and he gets up close to it, and the magnet grabs the stand <laughs> and, and, and makes the mic go, you know, <laughs> knocks into his teeth. So, and, and I thought it's a great information to know because if, if I ever you know happen to be in a situation where it is a straight stand, I know you know, look out, you know. Hold the guitar, get it back here, or swing it around, or something, so I don't, I don't suffer the same fate. I thought the story was going to end like you were like, yeah, I figured I'd send him a guitar. You know, I wanted to say thanks. Sent this kid a guitar. Turned out he's Mateo Sassado. Grew up to be an incredible, or like you know, <laughs> something <laughs> like some incredible well, guitar I, I, player. I, I, hopefully, he, hopefully he will d- turn into a, a legendary musician and, and give a Grammy Award speech someday. But it, but if he does, he'll, he'll might have some dental work from. <laughs> having, the, having that magnet pulls Mike Stando into his teeth. There's actually two takeaways that I take from that short story. One being, a simple one being, crowdsourcing information and ideas is totally awesome. And I see that now, actually in the social media era, a lot where I will post something online or with Wolfpack will post something online and some fan will make some sort of comment that kind of enhances or like keeps pushes the ball of like, here's the idea. We're just, we're going to throw this idea out there and they move it down the field a little bit farther. It's like kind of awesome to have that sort of real time kind of crowdsourced information idea think tank happening at one time. There's smarter people than out there. So they must have help. Yeah. And the other idea that I took from it that I love about your guitar is functional design not just design for design's sake but functionality built into it that's so cool that you you had a need and you said all right let's just like figure out a way to make this easier so i don't have to set down my slide and pick it up oh there it is right there the best part is i've been a lousy slide player for the vast majority of my guitar playing existence and just having one around Mm. i've got so much more of a, a comfort level <laughs> that, well, no good but you know in, in general i, I can it, it, i can do things i can be musical with it well before it was just like a hundred percent bad and now 
you know, I've, I've got I've got the, a fighting chance from just having spent time with it, and that's that's hard to do because unless you're like got a slide gig, you know, where's your slide? It's in the closet somewhere, so it's, it's <laughs> nice to have it's nice to have it it's nearby. Right there. Yeah. See, I I always had the excuse I am I'm not a hundred percent bad. I'm ninety five percent bad. Every five some that five percent of like yeah I nailed it, and then you know yeah. I can go back whatever. But I always use the excuse. I use low action tens. I'm a strat guy. You know, I have my strat and I low action tens because so much of my thing is rhythm and I like the strings spanking on the frets, you know? Oh, yeah. And then Derek Trucks told me he uses, he, he's like, oh, yeah, I, just, I use low, low action too. And I was just like, I now no longer have an excuse. So I'm curious <laughs> for you, did you adjust your action, your string tension, height, any, or like what, what's, what's, did you st- change anything? Well, that's, that's another thing about the, not just this Ibanez, but um, uh, I think a lot of, of the modern Ibanez, the truss rod actually goes both ways. And there's, there's I, I well, first to answer your question, I, I, I tend to prefer high action, because even if I'm not using the slide, just to be able to band, just to be able to get a grip on it, mm. uh, if, if the string's up a little higher. And I use eights, so, you know, I, I can still oh. whatever, you know, the... Any of the shred stuff, you know, the, the strings are so tiny that it, it, it's not a problem. We're going to get there. Yeah, we're going to get there. But I can do the wailing, you know, and the slide's clean. You know? well, what's the Jimmy Page one? Like, uh... Anyway. Yeah. Um, so so I, I really have come to like high action. And uh, and and late strings, but the trick with the high action is, um, you know, of course, the first thing you think of is like, well, I'll raise the bridge up, which will do something. Sure. But the the, the trick really is in the truss rod. Really? Um, yeah. To, 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 if you loosen that up, and 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 like a vintage guitar, you you loosen it up, and then it's just loose, and you're basically at zero, and you can't go any yeah, further. Yeah. But the with the newer Ibanez, is you can actually go the other way. And with eights, it, with with eights, because there's so little pull, you know, so little tension from the string. Yeah. Uh, that, um, you know, I can actually twist it the other way a little bit and and really get a lot of room. And to me, that's a test because I, I don't know how to measure anything. Um, but if I'm basically like G minor pentatonic, you know, you play a G rock lick. You know? yeah. And if I can grab the high note. That's kind of the test, you know. If that's easy to grab, yeah. if the action is low, I tend to get, I'll like slip off of it. Oh, and hmm. and that's and that's sort of the the area of the guitar where the truss rod really matters. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, if you're up here, you know, there that it's more the bridge that's yep. going to give you the higher action. But you know, down lower, and that's where the slide really can get ugly. You know, if you're on, yeah. especially on like the low strings. You're like, you know, that that tends to get buzzy pretty easily if the action's not up a bit. But it's kind of amazing that I can make that happen with eights, which it I didn't is. never expect. I didn't I didn't expect that to, to work, but it, it does. Well, you do a lot of things that that a lot of people have a hard time doing, so I'm not that surprised. <laughs> but the the that amount of relief, that amount of tension relief on the truss rod in the neck, I've just had problems with intonation from that. Well, I don't, I don't play chords that much. Oh, okay. And and basically, I, I started to realize, especially with distortion, 
that anything, I mean, basically a fourth or a fifth is, is about all I can really rely on. Sure. Thirds, I'm not going to want to hold that as a chord very, you know, very yeah, much yeah. unless I give us some vibrato. And so, so the solution is you arpeggiate stuff. You know, you don't play the chord together. Yeah. So if I want a chord instead of instead of you know, sitting there and going, that sort of turns the mush immediately. Yeah. So I'd be you know, you kind of ain't talking about love, where you play, play the notes separately. Yeah. And then then you can get that, or just hire a keyboard player, you know. And, and then I basically. <laughs> That's that's the instrument that does chords really well. You know, they can play like sevenths and ninths and, and you know, sharp elevens, and, and it still sounds good on on, on a piano. But on, on, on guitar with distortion, you know, it, that's you know, you can get it if you arpeggiate it. Yeah. Um, or but, you just get you know, somebody I, I like I don't, me, I don't, man. I don't, expect, I don't expect to get a lot from, from this. Is a, a you know single note instrument. <laughs> I'm a clean, I'm a clean guitar player, so I love the chords. Yeah, you can, you can. I don't, with clean, yeah. it's, it's a whole different ballgame. Yeah, it's completely different. You, you just started playing some Van Halen, and I heard a rumor. I have heard a rumor that you could play basically any Van Halen. Like, if somebody calls you up and was like, "Paul, we're doing a Van Halen set down at the Forum tonight. Yeah. We need, we need somebody to play." Here's the set list. You'd just be able to show, like, yeah, what time? Like, oh yeah, I can't make rehearsal, but no problem. I, I got it. Is I, this true? Can you do this? Well, you play I, that, every Van Halen. Tune? It's, as I get older, I'm forget forget more and more. But I mean, that was sort of my my training ground as a kid. You know, that, those records would come out, and I would just try to learn everything. Now, I sh- should say that the, the solos I never even attempted because, first of all, the, I could tell the spirit of it. You know, you'd go hear Eddie play it. He wouldn't play it the same way. It was more yeah, like yeah. you know, like amazing freak out in in b minor you know and then yeah. a couple little signature things you want to you want to grab yeah but overall is more just the spirit of it and the, but the rhythm parts i try to get and it's funny like later on i would find i'd sort of realize like oh I'm, my fingering i got different sure um but uh yeah overall i mean we'll name one ain't talking about love <laughs> play play the whole thing <laughs> Talk, no, <laughs> Get my flanger. It's not on enough. I mean, it's a, that's the wrong flanger. But uh, the- <laughs> <laughs> you, you tuned it down with the peg, dude. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna rifle two more. Somebody get me a doctor. Okay, let me get my string back in tune. That's I love that song. That's that's um I teach that a lot in my online school, so I know that one. The, uh... <laughs> the trick is now this is the, the magic of Eddie, is he goes, there's a chicka. And then it has this like really clean transition to the note. So it's chicken note. And there's no blur in there. Yeah. That, that, everybody blurs that. And it's like. And the same thing in You Really Got Me. That, that, and, and everybody, you know, sort of goes. And, and, and that, that's, yeah. the, that's, the, that's the magical part. That. So if you can clean that up, you're you're golden. You know? And then somebody get me a dive, get the same thing. 
Calma aí que eu vou entrar. I don't know if I can do the rug. <laughs> Feeling no pain. Overloading. This is so that it's got the volume part. So it's 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 fading. All right, dance the night away. Oh, the... Go! oh yes. And there's a library. The, uh... That's sick! See, you're oh. you're totally right about Eddie, though. Cats do not give it up for his rhythm playing. I mean, they'll say, oh yeah, Eddie's a great rhythm player, but they'll discount the fact that there is so much nuance and there's so much intentionality in his rhythm playing. Well, the, that and he always landed the... He'd always land the vibrato with a lot of intention and control. And and there was that. That's the thing with guitar players. We kind of give guitar players like um, license to to suck. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. <laughs> well, for, for for example, for for example, like if you're a harpsichord player, you've got license to never have any vibrato because the instrument doesn't do that. Correct. So you're not gonna you're not gonna get you're not gonna watching a harpsichord player and go like oh that crappy harpsichord player there's no vibrato of course of course there's not there's no you can't do it because the instrument doesn't have that and it was like with some of the guitars like a guitar setup with big strings or you know if you're if you're if you've got that up here and you're you know the thumb behind the neck you're not going to have eddie van halen vibrato like that yeah because it's just your, your wrist is in the wrong place yeah and uh but eddie you know, he's got the Hendrix thumb over and, and he's, and he would always land. I mean, my favorite part of eruption is, is the, the note that he goes, you know, <laughs> that first low note. Yeah. His vibrato on that. That's the best thing in the, you know, I mean, it's, it, well, that has become the best thing because that's what everybody misses. Sure. You know, everybody's like, oh yeah, the tapping part, but then they go, they get the wanky, you know, and it's like, no, you got, it. whoa, you know, and to me, that was like the whole thing of the seventies is just about everybody except like the two classical guys, you know, th that were famous, but every, everybody who came from like a blues background, everybody had, it was like a, a utopia of awesome vibrato in the seventies. And I, I, I've, I, I rant about this because I don't do so much teaching. This and I'll, is good. And I'll see all the guys up here and it's like, oh, geez. No, this is good. I, I want to I ask you about this because another person who was obsessed with the nuance of vibrato in, when I interviewed him was John Mayer. And Mayer comes from oh, a, he's a, a killer, similar, yeah. oh, incredible player. But he, he's, you guys are aiming at different parts of the dartboard and, and nailing it every time. But I don't remember if this... My interview with him went so long, I had to edit out like an hour of it. I don't remember if we ended up leaving this in the interview. But he talked about vibrato lower on the neck versus vibrato in the higher register. 
and how certain ways when you play it down low, it's like, oh, as soon as I play vibrato like that, it's, I sound like a kind of amateur heavy metal player. And when I changed <laughs> the vibrato and I do this, he started going in and like certain areas of the neck where you can play fast vibrato versus slow vibrato, just in his mind, like how it, you know, how to put the pieces into place. I'm curious now that you're going into this anything, tell me about your, your philosophy. The whole trick is you just want it to be intentional. And, and what, what, I, what, I, what I'll see a lot is like people who are moving their hand so it looks like vibrato, like, like wow, the hand's moving, but actually the string is doing nothing. You know, so it's sort of this like fraudulent vibrato. Okay, like, so hold oh, on. Yeah, your, but, your hand that I just saw your hand move there. People can't. Yeah, that's like the side to side. Yeah, yeah. You, you just did the classical side to side vibrato for the people yeah. that are listening. And it might online. do something. And, on, and actually, on a, the classical's got a different kind of string, it's a whole different yeah. animal. So it. And, and if you try to do like Eddie Van Halen vibrato on a classical, it, it, it's like, it doesn't work. You know, you're, you're punching a brick, brick yeah. wall. It won't move. Yeah. But with, with eights, you can move the string like without, I don't know if you can see it, but you know, I can move the string. Yeah. You're going a minor third probably. And that's different than if I, if I go side to side, it, you know, it, so this like sort of looks like this is where vibrato goes side to side, you know, even though there isn't any, you know? Sure. <laughs> And then, but to actually have some, and the thing is, I, I, I think I try not to rant too much about it because I've got really big hands and I think that helps, especially on the low strings to be able to, to get that kind of thing. Yeah. And, and, you know, just growing up with like Brian May, you know, I, don't, I can't think of the, the song, but you know, or, or even like, I don't need the doctor. Let me just think of one until I find one. That sort of, you know, and it's a, it's a, it's a stylistic choice. I mean, sure. there's, I'll, I'll hear people doing the squeeze you know, and it's sort of like, it's got a, it's sort of got a character to it, but to me, it doesn't sound like they meant to do it. Like where Van Halen's always sounded like that was purposeful. It was intentional. Mm. It's like, like a sound that where he hit the target and got the bullseye as opposed to like, well, I sort of shot it in that direction. You know, I mean, you hear the upright bass vibrato and that's like a. I think the notes around here half the time, but <laughs> well, that's I, the thing. Like with with, with, with upright bass solo, I've ever seen on TV as a kid, like and just going like, well, you gotta, you know, there's, there's obviously there's no way you can win. You know, it's like a human. It's like it's like okay, today I'm gonna get in, in the boxing ring with a grizzly bear. It's like you're you're gonna lose. So it's just like how long can you not die? And that's that's basically what an upright bass solo is. Like, you know, it's just no way you can win. You're, you're, you're <laughs> I mean, actually, maybe. I remember, like, some of the recent people, like, who, there's a, like, Esperanto Spalding sounds great. There's a guy, I can't remember his name, but I, I saw him, and he was killer. So there must be some way of setting it up or, or playing it with some, but at least when I tried, it's, it's horrible. Dude, no way. Hold on. I've seen video. Hold on, Paul. I follow you on Instagram. Don't, don't think you're going to get out of this. I've seen you play upright face, absolutely shredding and tapping. <laughs> if any, if there's anybody I've seen shred the hardest on upright, it's you, which is the funniest. Thing. Well, e either e e either you're pretending not to know, or I or I've con or I fooled you because that's all fakery. Wait, it's that's not real. That's it's all a total fra fraudulent. No, I, I mean I played it on an electric, put it recorded in a loop pedal, memorized it, and then just faked it. Paul, you just you just. <sighs> <laughs> The f the funny thing was I, I did that at a clinic once where I I I because I'm I'm like a terrible sweep picker but I I sat you know, before the tour I was like okay I'm gonna sit here and play the sweep like 27 times 
And I finally, like after 27 times, I got one, put it in the loop pedal. And then I would get ready. And I put a little thing at the beginning. It's like as a transition. So I was like, you know. And then, and so I would start to play this transition. And I'd bring the guitar up and I'd go. <laughs> you should be playing with your and, teeth. And, and, and I put, and I pressed the button. So it's like. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody in the place is like, oh my God. You know? So I, I did it at a, I did it at a guitar clinic. And of course, everybody's like, dude, dude, dude what, what was that? You know? And they're asking me, like, how did you do sweeps with your teeth? And I and I said, <laughs> well, the really I, I said the really impressive thing is when I sweep with, with my ass. And I pressed the button and went, <laughs> <laughs> the clickbait title of this podcast is Paul Gilbert is a phony. <laughs> <laughs> I really played it. I know, I but I didn't. Like- I, okay, I thought I, I thought the upright bass thing was real. You tricked me, bro. <laughs> I played it in one take, just not then, and not on that <laughs> instrument. <laughs> okay. Okay, but it's it's but it's tricky. Like it actually, even faking it is really takes some effort because that that bass is huge, and to try to make it look, you know, because I'm, I'm I'm actually you know I'm playing it like like I would, but you you know it doesn't you're not hearing the the horrible sound that I'm actually making. Okay, we need to pause for a second. I just <laughs> I need to, I need to talk to the listeners right now. I need to say, you are not allowed to do this. Okay, the listeners of the Wong Notes podcast, guitar players at home. You are not allowed to do this until you have been a part of a band that has written and recorded incredible shred songs and you've proven yourself to be one of the baddest guitar players of all time and then joined another band and started another band and had hit songs and played arenas and proven yourself decade after decade. Only then are you allowed to do this. Okay, back to our conversation. Earlier in the interview, I talked about license to suck. Well, that would be like a license (laughs) to be fraudulent or a license to lie. (laughs) Yes, but the in order to achieve that license, in order for any for me personally to give the certificate of authenticity, you basically like need to be Paul Gilbert to get away with. Now well, and now I'm like, okay, it's, it's Paul. But if some yeah. kid at home is doing this, I'm like, no, don't do it. Like you, you actually like have to learn to go out and play real gigs. Like go learn to play guitar. I, I, I would love to see people try it though, because it's it's really. I, I would guess it's not not as easy as it sounds to like you know play it on the on the Rickenbacker and then get out the one, you know, and, and to make it look real enough where a professional such as yourself is fooled. Yeah. I mean, maybe I wasn't watching hard enough, but I, I just, you know, you're a, you're an entertainer, man. You are an entertainer. You're a fun, charismatic person. And that's, that's part of where I want to go. And, and you'll never trust anything you ever yes, see. Now- I do again. <laughs> I'm going to email you every time you post something. Now was and that say, real? Was- <laughs> I, I do want to go into this because, when I was starting to, I mean, okay, my right-hand journey has been one of, it, it was the hero's journey for a long time. I have this unorthodox, I hold the, the pick flat like this, which, mm-hmm. you know, or like the, I cut the Benson. Um, yeah. Like, I, I, I used to do something like, kind of like that too. And I, I, I have this weird thing. It works great for me. It's my natural anatomy. I'm a left-handed writer. So actually, if I, oh, use, wow. if I use proper picking technique, my left hand is blazing. I'm I'm a shred metal left-handed. I'm wow. you know, but I don't play guitar left-handed. I play guitar right-handed. Yeah. <laughs> so I tried forever to do the right-hand technique thing. I went through your intense rock videos and then I eventually came back like my sound is in this and so much of my rhythm thing. Anyways, 
I watched your intense rock stuff. I worked so hard with my right hand. I went through all the exercises, did hours of that. And I, you know, I, I went through all of that, did the, the studies, the technique stuff. And I enjoyed so much of your material. And I've watched so many of your videos on YouTube. I've absorbed so much of just who you are as an artist and as a guitar player. But so but much none of, of it's of any use. <laughs> no, it all is. It's just so much. It's so hard for me to do because of I, I, there's. I, we'll we'll get into my anatomy of it and my curiosity yeah. of it, how you approach that. But the the part I want to focus on right now is your personality and who you are. I guess for better, for lack of better words, you, you as a character as an artist and as a performer is so captivating and it's so interesting. I'm wondering, you know, you, you seem to be very intentional about all of the aspects of your playing. Is that something you're very intentional about in your performance and who you are as like, do you feel like you put on a character sometimes when you get on camera or is it, are you, is this just you? Is, are we getting the full on? Well, I, I think the thing that comes to mind is like in the, the earlier sort of big hair days, uh, I remember being on stage, you know, and it was, we're in, I was in Japan with Mr. Big and, uh, we we're really doing well, you know, it was like big venues and, and people were going nuts. And, and, and I remember thinking to myself that the, the audience is wonderful. They're being so nice to me and they have no idea who I am. Sure. Or at least you know, the, the, the part of me that I would kind of like to show them that, you know, that is, is I'm not, be, I'm not able to show in this context. Of course. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, that's when you go out and do your solo album and, and, and that sort of thing. I mean, I've, I've, you know, fortunately had the opportunity to do all, all kinds of solo records, you know, yeah. do all the instru instructional stuff. I remember that like the, at the beginning of doing instructional stuff, I was worried because in a way I, you know, I didn't want to let my goofy side out because, you know, you kind of want to be the cool rock star. Yeah. You know, back back then, you know, yeah, I yeah, took in the, totally. taking the trouble to have the big hair, and and I was hoping to you know you'd get the benefits of being of having that image, and so when the opportunity came to do an instructional video, I'm like, I don't know, man, you know, I, I, I want to, you know, hold on to the mystique. Sure. You know, as, as time went on, I've completely, I, I know that I'm not going to be the kind of person who has mystique. Sure. It's just, you know, some, some people, they can, you know, they, they can, they can somehow craft mystique. Yeah. I'm not a mystique crafter. You know, it's, it's not, that that's not my skill set. I mean, it's, it's nice to sort of be your authentic self. That's certainly easier. And if your authentic self is, is something that doesn't offend people horribly. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you, you can have some little, uh, you know, niche of people that, that respond positively to it then that's that's wonderful and and sometimes you know it can be embarrassing too like if you really let yourself out there you go oh man i really want people to know about that you know but uh, and and of course you know you change through through life you know i'm more of a ranting old guy now than i ever ever have been probably you brought up the big hair days I, i'm curious because you are a part of like you you can't escape it at this point no point beating around the bush you were part of the heyday. You were one of the cats. Like, you're one of the kings of this period. And, like, so many people would associate the type of playing. Like, you're one of the best of that era. And you, you embodied that era. I saw videos. Okay, I've seen. I watched some. <laughs> I watched the live in Tokyo music videos. And I watched yeah. the, you know, I, I've seen. Back when I was doing push-ups. <laughs> 
You know, and and I'm not just talking about Mr. Big. I'm talking Racer X too, and and so much. Oh of yeah. Stuff. So, how ridiculous did you feel? Or because you seem like a, a fairly self-aware person at this point now, and like you you understand yourself, and you know, like okay, this is who I am, and like at the yeah. time, you're like, okay, well, we gotta kind of be into this. But did it feel absolutely ridiculous to you, or were you just like? I'm in this thing. Like, this is the thing. We're dope. We're doing this. Everybody around me is dope. Yeah. The other band, like, we're kind of competing, but we're also, like, in this thing together, arm in arm. Yeah. Well, it was 100% both. You know, I mean, Spinal Tap had come out. You know, Spinal Tap was, like, 1984, 83, somewhere around there. Myself and my whole genre had seen Spinal Tap, the movie. Yeah. So we knew we were ridiculous. You know, okay. it, it had been proven, laid out in front of us. All you right. Know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nigel Tufnell sort of said, well, take a look at yourself. Here's the mirror, you know. And, uh, and, and you know, Marcello was on my trademark. You know, so it, we knew we were rid- rid- ridiculous. But at the same time, I still loved it. I still, yes, you know, totally. to this day. To this day, I can put on an Ingve record, and I just lo- I love it wholeheartedly. Absolutely, uh, I, I, I I sort of ha- have to deal with with both those things. You know that that some of it is just you know how how seriously can you take having a giant dragon on stage? And second of all, but the song in this band is awesome. You know, so yeah, but that, also that, like the entertainment that is so awesome. Like, I kind of wish. I mean, there is pop acts that are doing that kind of stuff now, and that's really fun. But with the guitar at the center of it, like you were part of an era where the guitar was the centerpiece of that music. And like there was, it was celebrated in a different way. And you have the role of the guitar in that era and in a lot of the music that you were playing. And of course, intentionally so because of the type of guitar you play. Uh, you're you're going to gravitate towards that, and your skill set is. Well, I, I do remember like doing the early Racer X album, and uh, or uh, I think the second one, and the producer was like, well, "Why don't we put some keyboards on this song?" And we were like, aghast. <laughs> keyboards? Oh, like like we were really against it. Uh, we, were, we were like morally outraged that someone would suggest having a keyboard on our record. <laughs> <laughs> so there there was. There was there was things like that where where you know we were kind of true believers sure in in that pure form it's like it's got to be guitar like can't, you can't even put keyboard in, in as an overdub you know a little bit you know it's it, it's uh it's, it's hard to feel that way now you know I mean I've you know now I listen to jazz saxophone players from the fifties and, and and dig it so you know it, it's um it, it, it's hard to hold on for me it's hard to hold it on to that that sort of true believer purity. Yeah, that that you have at, 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 that I had at that stage. Okay, let's bring two parts of this interview together right now. You you that's how you were at the time. Also, you have the intensive knowledge and in, in, insane knowledge of the Van Halen catalog. How did you feel when the keyboards started started coming to the forefront in Van Halen? What, what was your mindset at that time when it came out? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the first one was uh, and the Credible Rock. Yeah. And, and and it was like it was in the news, you know. Van Halen has one keyboard song in the record, and I'm like, oh, I don't know, you know. And you know, it was it was still cool groove. And I I think um, the thing with Van Halen is, is Alex made made Van Halen sound like Van Halen because as soon as you like, mm. I remember the the, the the first time that that I really there was something that I didn't like about Van Halen. It was when Eddie started doing stuff without Alex. 
like Eddie would do uh, the Beat It solo. I, I I heard that and I didn't. I remember the first time the Beat It solo came on the radio, and I didn't know what it was. It just sort of on the background, and I'm like, "Who's ripping off Eddie?" Wow. I'm like, uh, I'm like, who's who's like we're doing all Eddie's licks, but it sucks. And it, it wasn't because <laughs> it, it wasn't it wasn't because Eddie was playing bad. It's because the Alex wasn't there. I'm I'm totally serious. I, I, to this day, it's like there's no Alex. You gotta have Alex. That's that's the that's the feel. And then and then I, I remember uh, you know Eddie would do like guests on Let, on David Letterman. Yeah. And and it'd be like and not only Alex was missing, but Michael Anthony too, because the bass player would be going like whoop 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 whoop, doing like the staccato. And be like, oh, it's just wrong. You know they would because I mean they were good. You know the Letterman band was great, but they didn't have the Van Halen feel. So. You know, Eddie was like, you know, of course, amazing. But to, to me, I was so much into the feel of the whole band. Yeah. And Alex's hi hat and the, and, the, and the way he splashed it out compared to all the like, it was it was so different than like the '80s kind of Cars drumming, mm. which was real tight, or even like yeah. this late '70s, like even band like Aerosmith. You know, still that in the studio they'd kind of like tighten everything up, and 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 sure. uh, Van Halen was just like this. A whole different feel because of Alex. So, so you don't like Eddie was, with Jeff Picaro. You don't like Eddie with that. Must have been Steve Jordan era Letterman. Yeah, and you know, of course, you know th- th- those those are great musicians and they do great things. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. Th- again, I was I was and and obviously to some extent still am Van Halen purist because that's what I grew up with. Fair. And you, you, you know, Eddie without Alex, it's that's fair. Uh, that's fair. Okay, so back at that era, big hair. Big shows, like we're saying, you know, you guys know you're ridiculous and awesome at the same time, and that's like probably what makes it really fun too. And there's all these other bands around you, and the guitar is celebrated in a different way. It's on the radio. You guys are inching for Billboard charts. You're inching for covers of guitar magazines, covers of pop culture magazines. There's got to be some ego in there, self self aware ego. There's got to be some competition in there. This is probably a much different thing than than what it is now because now guitar. I feel like the guitar community is pretty supportive of each other for the most part. But I'm curious at that time, how did you feel with your relationship with other guitar players who did what you did? The other lead guitar players, the other people who were the the running backs of the team. Like, did you have a, a competition? Was it a was it a friendly competition? Was it a oh well, I hated this dude, but now I love him and we're friends. Well, I didn't. I didn't really know anybody because I was just always in my room, you know, practicing. So I, I didn't meet a lot of people other than the people that I played in bands with. We were really like sequestered, you know. With, with Racer X, we we just were rehearsing all the time. Once in a while, we'd go bowling, and with 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 um with Mister Big, we're always on the tour bus or in the studio. So we we really we and I would always I remember seeing like a magazine cover of Eddie Van Halen and Steve. Steve Lukather hanging out. And then it was like an interview, like, oh, they're friends. I'm like, how does that happen? I'd like <laughs> to have a friend. Some, you know, that, what do you got a friend? <laughs> so it was, it was really, um, it was pretty isolated. Really? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, once in a while, like, uh, you'd have a support band or something. But even then, like, I remember we, we had, um, I mean, we got some great support where we were the support band. Like, we opened up for Rush. Mm-hmm. And I was just scared because I, I was really a lot younger than everybody. And I didn't want to mess it up, you know, so I, I didn't want to like say something stupid and, 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 and have them think I was, 
you know, a dumb kid. I kind of knew, and I kind of knew I was a dumb kid. So I was like, I'm just going to not talk to them ever because I'm just scared to, to, sure. to embarrass myself. Um, how, how young were you? Then I was like 22, maybe. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But it felt like when, you, when you're, I mean, when, when you buy a Rush album and you're like 12, when you meet the people who are, or who are the records that you bought when you're 12, you know, you, they're, they're, they're like Mount Olympus gods. You know, it's like, I can't talk to Getty Lee. Yeah. You know, he's like Zeus, you know, it's like that. I can't, that's a different plane, you know? So that was, maybe that was another barrier self-imposed. Sure. And, uh, you know, like we were on the road with Aerosmith and, uh, Brian Adams. And once in a while, like I would, you know, if, if they would come to us, I would, I would be excited to talk, talk to them, but you know, I, I couldn't like start a conversation. Did you feel respected as a musician by these bands? They, they were all, well, I was going to say, they're all great. Joe Perry was probably, you know, was a little, I don't think he was that happy that we were on the tour, but it was civil. In, in, wait, know. hold on. In what way? Did, was he, did he not like the band and the music or did he well, just not, I don't did he know. not we like never really talk. You, you can just tell, you know, somebody's walking down the hall and they sort of give you a little. Sure. Yeah. You know, like, like, I can sort of tell where, where the Rush guys, you know, they, they sort of, you know, without saying a word, you sort of get a face. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. the rush totally, guys totally, yeah. like, hey, you know, kind of the nice face. We're 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 Joe, kind of be like, eh, don't talk to me, you know. Mm. But on the other hand, Stephen was always cool. You know, like Stephen Tyler, like we, we played some Beatles songs backstage, but that was because he came to our dressing room. Like I, I would never barge into his dressing room. Do you feel respected as a guitar player now in the community? Yeah, sure. I mean, that's that's uh, yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. I mean, I, I'm really happy with. Uh, Good. <laughs> I mean, that's you get your. If you get old, you, 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 maybe you get licensed to suck when you get old. You know? No, I'm I'm genuinely curious because I I have the utmost respect for you and everybody that I know. It's like Paul Gilbert, yeah. Like I, Mark Letieri, the guitar player in Snarky Puppy. He and I have a side project band together, and we talk about you all the time. And I mean, like we have such an insane amount of respect for you. But I do know that there's a lot of guitar players. It, from from various <laughs> oh, no. eras. Well, no, 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 no. I, I not that. A lot of guitar players from various eras of of what was what was big at a certain time don't feel respected. Maybe because there was, I mean, you know, not to dig into the psychology of why Joe Perry might have been vibing you, but he also might have been intimidated to a certain extent. I, I I've I love the the Aerosmith records that I grew up with so much that I to me that was like. Yeah, you know, give me the stink eye. I, yeah, I, yeah. I love those records, man. You know, I, you, oh, they're incredible. You're, you're, yeah. So, and by the way, anybody's you know not into uh, everybody wants like my favorite Joe Perry moment on the Night in the Ruts album. I don't even know what the song is called. Because... And there's one part where it goes like, where he, it's right before the solo, and he slides up the low E string. And then at the end of it, he hits the open to high string. He goes like that. And he mutes it. Like, let me get it right. And the, and the engineer cranks it up really loud. It's like, it's, it's the most awesome thing I've ever heard in my life. I love that. Joe Perry, I have a special place for him because when I was in seventh grade, I got one of his guitar picks. And oh, it's still, yeah. it still sits in a little... 
there's like a little jewelry chest my grandmother brought from China to the U.S. And like she, I got it. Uh, she gave it to me when I was a kid. And I hold a Mike, a signed Mike Madano hockey card and a Joe Perry pick that I got when I was in sixth grade. Like these, these things that just have a lot of meaning to me. Yeah. I, I, I have, yeah, I have extreme respect for, for Joe. I love him as a player. I don't know him personally, but. My, my, my relation, I don't really expect a lot from like talking to a musician. I just want to listen to them. Sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, because uh, 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 the same thing goes for me. Like, I, I don't, I think I'm probably going to disappoint anyone who, who talks to me, but hopefully I've got something to offer, you know, on the instrument. Well, that sounds interesting from somebody who has so many. Lessons on artist works. <laughs> so many live. <laughs> well, every 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 lesson that I do begins with music, and uh, I, I really, I, I'm proud of that because that that, that I always go like, okay, what do I want to show this person, and how can I put that into a phrase where where the phrase teaches the lesson? You know, where where, yeah. where I don't where in a way I don't have to say a word because I've I've, I've students that that either don't speak English or, or, or English is a second language. Yeah. And, and we never, we don't exchange. I mean, I'll, I'll talk, but they don't say a word to me mm. and I'll just listen to what they play and go like, Oh, well they, they need help getting their wrist here. So I'll, I'll show them a, a riff that, ha that has, that requires that the wrist be in two places and they've got to get used to the transition and there's no way around it. Like in order to play that riff, you have to do your, that with your wrist. And that way, you know, and I'll, I'll describe it, but before I describe it, I'll play it and I'll point to the, you know, it's all, you know, you can, yeah, yeah, you yeah. can turn my voice off sure. and you'd still get it. So, um, that, that's, that, that to me, like, I always try to do as much as I can with the music. And then, you know, this is just, you know, if, if it helps, it helps, you know, if, if not my apologies. A lot of people who have technical facility as a part of their unique thing like every everybody I, I believe you know all the great guitar players not just are great at guitar but have something really unique to say which is why i love joe perry he has something unique his approach is i love his approach it's it's so much different than you there's no need for competition or vibing in my in my opinion because you guys although you have similar roles in the bands that you were in well, there's well that he, he, and, and if there's a competition he won in 1974 or whatever you know <laughs> like well yeah, yeah whatever <laughs> but what when people have technical facility as a part of their calling card when they get older once they've been playing for a lot longer it's harder to keep that up just like any sort of physical thing like Usain Bolt is not going to be running this fast when in, in 20 years you know there's like just certain physical elements and you have been able to for decades keep your technical facility up and seemingly just not not have i mean in my eyes i mean you fooled me on an upright base so maybe you're fooling me in other ways but how, what what advice do you have for the folks that have technical facility as a part of their calling card that want to keep that sort of thing up for many decades or just keep that thing going 8 to 38 it definitely helps light light strings sure cuz i i feel like i can play on heavier strings but I can't play as long, and I just my I get a, I get a better gig. Like you know, if I'm that's that was why I I, I think I like I had a, I hadn't played for a while or something, so I put eight songs so my calluses wouldn't like rip off during the first three songs, and then I was like, man, that was a good gig, really. Yeah, and I thought, well, let me let me try eights on the next gig. Like that was a good gig too. You know, like I just I just kept having like better shows. Okay. When I didn't 
when I didn't have to struggle, you know, didn't have to fear, be scared of bending and, and all the hammer on the pull stuff got easier. Of course, you know, my G chords never quite in tune, but you know, again, that's why you hired the keyboard player. <laughs> so, uh, or you, or you just, you know, give that vibrato. You know? Yeah. So, so, or, or, or don't play the third. Um, but what was the other thing to keep up from, from t- teaching a lot? Now, again, you're talking about people who you know already have a, a facility. Yes. And I'm, and I, and I'm, and I believe that with your question, you really mean like they sound good. It's not like you know, oh, they play fast, but it's you know, you probably don't want to listen to it. like like good fast things going on. If, I can I be like, fully the, transparent the, the, with you? I'm asking for myself. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> How do well, I? I would, yeah. <laughs> there we go. Well, I, I would say, um, I mean, again, the thing you said about you know the, the guitar players, like you know, respecting so many different players, and the the thing is, like, I, I really do think people who play kind of what you would describe as technical playing. There's they they come at it really differently. Mm-hmm. So if if you hear some fast phrase from Ingve, it's very different than the fast phrase you would get from Neil Schoen, mm-hmm. or the fast phrase you'd get from from Gary Moore or or Michael Shanker. You know, I mean, there might be overlap here or there. So, like um, the the my 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 sort of go to reliable licks are real balance of of the hands. Like if the, if the right hand gets right hand gets tired, it it, it gets a chance to rest because left hand takes over, and so it, like I, I think a lot of students that come to me are like they, they and they have this idea that like oh every note must be picked mm-hmm. for no other reason that it's just like somehow morally upstanding to you know pick every note sure you know or El Demiola, El Demiola did it one day and and so therefore everybody's got to do it forever and. Uh, and that's that's never been. First of all, I've just never been able to do it. And second of all, most of my most reliable, good-sounding phrases that I enjoy and use the most aren't built that way. Mm-hmm. And I remember like figuring out an Ingve lick because now, now you have like the slow down or you know the amazing slow down or computer thing. You put oh, anything yeah. in there and slow it down. And I put an Ingve lick in there that I thought was all picking, and you slow it down. It's like I can hear the hammer ons and pull offs. There's yeah. enough. There's enough picking to give it some teeth. Yeah, you know, it still bites in the right place, gets the message across. It's it, you know, it, it's it's still nice and toothy and aggressive, but you know, he's he's letting the left hand take over where it needs to in order to make the lick practical. And for for my particular style, that's what I do all the time. And I and you know, whenever somebody comes in and they're like, "I want to pick everything," it's like, "Oh, I'm sorry," you know, like like I mean, there, there's certain phrases where you do have to do that. Actually, I, I call it like emergency picking. So, like, for example, um, if, if you this is a phrase that you have to pick. You can't do that with hammer-ons and pull-offs. Yeah. And so anything where you play a note twice, yeah, you have to pick it. I mean, maybe there's some way you could hammer and pull, but in general, like, if you've got, um, let's let's see. Uh, uh, Those are a lot of notes for learn twice, but are they even that one? You don't have to pick twice. But the um, the, the, what I'll do like uh, with something like this, where I, um, I'm trying to think of the phrase. And I think we pick it to like, like well, the, here's a good one: Baba O'Reilly, the Who song. The uh... Thank <laughs> you. 
that's the thing where you go, you know, it's everything's like, I, I don't know if it's called double picking or, but that you actually have to pick it. Yeah. Yeah. There's, that's an, that's a picking emergency. Yeah. But a lot of the stuff like the, uh, the, the Van Halen, you know, uh, all, all the, that stuff actually sounds, a lot of times sounds better with, without it being picked. So yeah, I, I think people get into this obsessive picking frame of mind that is really, uh, I mean, for most of the time, just making life hard with for no reason. When I took your intense rock class, as in watched the video a hundred times, I thought to myself, this right hand stuff just like doesn't work for me. My anatomy, <laughs> I'm watching your hand. I'm like, the, the way that it is, like I actually have a, a, I have blazing speed when I let my wrist go. And when I kind of, almost like the Steve Vai thing where my wrist is higher up and I let it, Okay. my fast twitch muscle in my right hand works works better like this rather than the side to side. And I remember just like in a lot of ways, just being, like, Oh my gosh, that the way that you're doing that is so insane. And then I realized, Oh, there is a lot of other ways of doing it. There's different people's anatomy of, of how, like what activates the fast twitch muscle. Some people it's side to side. Some people it's the doorknob sort of thing. Some people it's a, a little more in the elbow for better or worse. I'm curious because you've taught so many people and you've watched so many people try to to speed up and play clean with right hand single note technique. What are the most common mistakes you see and what are give me the top 2 fixes that you try to get somebody to do or like top 2 exercises to try to fix or or build yeah. those things up. Well, well for, for me like I picking has never been something where I can I've I, like I've got this moving thing and I can just drop it down into the guitar. And mm -hmm. it will automatically line up with whatever the left hand does. That's that's completely not the case. I've got like certain a really small percentage of phrases that work where everything's picked, and you know th th that's basically that instructional video. <laughs> <laughs> and but but um, so I'll get the people that want want to pick everything, and it's like, well, first of all, you got to choose a phrase that's pickable, mm. and second of all, depending on how the how the architecture of the phrase how it's laid out you're going to get a, a much different speed out of it. And you, if you look at Ing, like Ingvar or Michael Schenker doing the descending fours, they do it all, all in one string. And I, I, I haven't practiced those to be very good at it, but it's just like the... Uh... And then as soon as they get to the end, they change the lick. You know, because it's because then it becomes impractical, impractical to continue it. Yeah. And so when I do descending fours, I don't, I don't, I don't even try to pick every note. I'll, I'll do it like... And, and and I can get it fast and, and hopefully a good tone, but there's tons of pull-offs in there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's the one guy in the front row going like, oh, I heard a pull-off, you know. <laughs> and, <laughs> well, screw that guy like, first off. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah I, I, usually what I, I mean, I, I, I start ranting and, and basically I just want people like, well, don't do that. You know, don't do it unless it sounds good. Sure. That that was that was that was my my path was like I would I would try stuff and go like well that doesn't sound good when I do it so I won't do that and then once in a while I'd find something that would sound good and then I'd get excited okay I got one lick for for me the the, the lick that worked was sweetly which is not a picking lick I mean it's just like you know, from the black sabbath tony aomi look and mm -hmm. that was like 
that became Van Halen. That sort of morphed. You just add the pinky in, and, and Sweet Leaf becomes Eruption. Sure. And the picking stuff, I, I never really thought I could do it. And then, you know, the, 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 the one of my fellow students at MI showed me, the, you know, and that kind of worked. Um, but again, like that's, I, I, I was so excited about it because I could, I never thought I could do that. So I wrote some songs that had that in it. Mm. But other than that, it's not that useful of a lick. And basically, cause I, I, the, the stuff that's really, that I really like that to me, like feels good. A lot of times for fast stuff is the time squeeze stuff where there'll, there'll be like a pulse to it, but it'll have more notes than really is correct. And so it has more of an organic feel. Like, I mean, something like... Uh, you can feel a pulse, but it's not, it's not like... Uh, it's not real stiff and structured in 16th notes. I'm actually squeezing five notes. You know, one, two, three, four, five, but I'm squeezing it into the space of four. Yeah. So. And that's what I liked about the, the like the Van Halen style. Like you, you'd never hear him go. It wasn't real square like that. Yeah. You know, he had like kind of like, hyperspeed blues licks that would, you know, that, that basically were, were probably born jamming with Alex. Mm. And, 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 and that's how my stuff was, was born. You know, I, I would, I would have my one sweet leaf lick and I was always in bands as a teenager. So we'd be playing a song that wasn't sweet leaf. And all of a sudden, like the groove is different. The tempo is different. I'm like, well, I want to play my one lick that works, but it doesn't work in this tempo. So I'd have to like, just on the fly try to do something to it yeah and then all of a sudden i'd have a new lick and so a lot of my fast playing like real intuitive like that because it was just came from like playing schools out by alice cooper get like endings and transitions and that's the thing like with the students they'll have like one lick but they they can't get into it they can't get out of it if the tempo yeah. changes they can't mess with it so you, you kind of got to own it that way and then that those were really built from the ground up and i've got a couple licks that i you know got top down where i like would figure out an ingve lick or something and but it, it always sounds like ingve you know if i could do sure. the uh, That's a great picking lick, but it's like, eh, it's, it's not mine, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so you have a lot of students and have had a lot of students in your life. Is there something you find yourself telling students over and over again, all, all kinds of different, like what's the most common thing you find yourself telling to students, whether it be an approach thing or an actual playing thing? My, my guess is that I'm probably, and this is a guess, you know, so I could be wrong. I think I'm I'm trying to undo the damage that tablature has caused because because oh, tablature because because tablature tells you the main information and I think I think what happens is like when you read tablature the brain concentrates on okay the, the part of my finger has to be the here you know whatever the location is mm -hmm. and you sort of like put it there but there's so much the 
the tablature doesn't tell you where to mute. Mm. And if you're a rock player with distortion, you know, if you play one note, you got to mute the other five. And if you're, a, if you're like, got your hand like this, it's, it's, a, it's a horrible mess. Yeah. And unless you're really careful all the time. And being careful is not no fun. So that, that's the thing is like to be able to, to be just mute and control distortion that way. And, and that, that's the thing, like all the, all the players in the seventies that grew up, like, you know, playing in bands with a, with a Marshall stack two feet away from them. You know, that, that's, that's how I got that. And nobody, nobody showed me muting. I mean, actually my uncle showed me to put the hand on the bridge, but all the other stuff with the left hand, cause I do a ton of left hand muting. Nobody ever showed me anything, but the, the thing that taught me was that the amp, my Ampeg V4 and the 412 cabinet and being two feet away from it in a tiny room with a loud drummer and the guitar going, ah! you know, and, and, and it's like, how do I shut this thing up? And you start just grabbing out of panic. Yeah. You know, and if you, and, I, and so that's the thing, like the bedroom tablature players, you know, they're not loud enough where that's an issue until it's kind of too late and they've already you know, don't have a good hand position for rock. It might be a f totally good hand position for classical where that's not an issue. Yeah. But, but to me, like to be able to kind of beat, you know, to beat up the lick. that that's so much fun yeah and and i think i think i i emphasize that it wouldn't have occurred to me to emphasize that without teaching sure i wouldn't have i wouldn't value that to totally. the extent that i do without seeing you know it's, it's a response to the lack of that and, and it might just be the people that follow me like if, if i if i could suddenly talk to like all the guitar players who love the red hot chili peppers Maybe they'd be like, yeah, of course, we do that all day. Yeah. But the shred people that come to me, that's like really new thing. And they tend to be like, you know, real sort of cautious mm. playing that, that, that if you bump. Oh, let me give you one. This is my favorite new metaphor. So I want you to imagine uh, like a big a wall. And I've, and it's a, it's a let's say, uh, let's say it's a black wall. Black, you know, it's a big black wall. And I've got a, a can of white paint. And I've got two paintbrushes, a little one and a big one. And my goal is I want to make a perfectly, or at least a pretty nice, straight line. White line on a blackboard. Which brush does it better? The little brush for detail or the big sloppy brush? And the answer is, you got to tape up, you got to tape it up. So you get, you get your roll of masking tape and you tape tape it off so, so the so and then you take the big brush and go bah, 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 take the tape off and you got a perfect white line and you had the best time in the world doing it because you didn't have to be careful you just bah. and, and the, the alternative is like no no tape this is muting by the way this is the metaphor for muting you and you take the little brush and you're careful and hope, oh, i hope i don't make a mistake and you know and, and you, get, and you get like an okay line but you the process is painful and, and it takes you forever and it's still not as perfect as the one that was taped up. And, and that's what all the muting stuff is. The muting is, mm. is here and the fingertips and here. And I like the, the, uh, all, all the stuff here that you can sort of glom onto the string. And, uh, so th that's, that's sort of the, the, the battle of being a rock guitar player with distortion 
is is to is to get that to be a habit. Yeah. And and and, and at, at slow and fast speeds, but to just be able to, and and it's it's different depending on where you're in the neck. It's a lot easier to do that on a, on a low note like that because the left hand really can get everything done on the lower string. It's a lot harder to get it done there because you know that's that's not a practical to get your thumb that far. So then you have to start bringing in this. You have a muted sweep where you put it across and puts you in place, yeah. and you lift it up just enough to get that. So to be able to do something like this, where I was able to get staccato notes, where I'm, as soon as I hit it, I, I just mash my hand. I mean, I'm I'm being dramatic for to try to you know yeah. make a point. You don't you don't mash it to make a horrible noise, but. You, as soon as you do that, you stop. And for those that can't see, Paul's muting just with the flesh of his right hand. Well, it's it's just anything that's there. Yeah. Yeah, but the, yeah, that's all the right, right hand. hand anything, that's, anything that's available. It could be the pick, could be the yeah. skin, could be the nail. I don't, I don't even know. I just like, whatever, I'm, I'm there and I just press it in. Whatever just happens to be on my hand yeah. goes down and stops it. And it's great for slide playing because then you can control... You know, I can't, and that's a bar. And, and with slide, you can't, you can't get left hand. I mean, at least I can with a slide. But I can get staccato notes. If you don't, then slide playing turns into this horrible. You know, it's, it's all, it's, it's all just gets out of control. Yeah. And uh, so I, I'm in full rant mode now. Sorry about that. But I, I like that. I, that's. But I, I, I get that way because that's I, I do to answer your question. That's what I see is, is like people who, have, who who have been bedroom players and they haven't had the benefit and, and of uh, and and in a way, me teaching them that I, I think is is um, they're in a good position because I lost my hearing from doing that. Mm. You know, I'm 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 deafer than most people, and I'm <laughs> able to share the benefit these these magic secrets of of controlling the guitar. Yeah, without them having to like you know, destroy their hearing from being that close to the fire beating drag of an, of an amp. Okay. And then never underestimate the pick scratch. That wasn't a good pick scratch. Let me see if I get a brand new pick. Okay. Let me, let me try. Uh, Take three. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> Paul, you are incredible. You're such an inspiration. I love your energy. Love the way you play. Thank you so much for joining us today, man. It's really great. Thanks for having me here. My apologies for anything that 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 was too ranty or ranty I'm here too for much. It. I don't I don't think ranty is a word. So any anything that was overly ranting, my apologies. And uh, I, I've 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 learned that some of my best students do not play like I do, and uh, that, that that's taught me a lot too. You don't. Not everybody has to sound like me, including me. I <laughs> like that. <laughs> I like that. Well, Paul, thanks so much for joining us, man. Really a treat. Right. Have a great one. Thank you. Thanks. There you have it. Paul Gilbert. What a chill dude. This guy's dope. Can you believe the Van Halen knowledge this guy has? The sheer confidence and power that comes out of his guitar? Love that dude. I'm inspired. I'm inspired. I want to play some music with Paul someday. That would be sick. Anyways, thanks for hanging out with us. Like I said at the beginning, Wolfpack, we got a new record out called Schwitz coming this Friday, December 30th. Check it out. We got other announcements coming soon. I have a tour that I'm about to go on. Corey Wong, 
East Coast and Midwest, US. I got some Europe dates on the books that are announced, tickets on sale. Actually, a couple of the shows sold out. So, and the US ones too. So, see if I'm playing, go grab those ticks. Because, hey, if you're listening to this podcast, that means you're a guitar fan, you're a fan of music, you're a fan of this sort of stuff. I promise you, you will have a blast at my show. Guarantee it. Said it. Guarantee it. Thanks for hanging. We'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.